she seemed to be of the strong opinion that I was trying to steal her husband and almost every day became a very miserable one for me. She would regularly embarrass me, call me all sorts of names like Jezebel, prostitute and husband snatcher. She did this in public, not just, you know, within the four walls of the office. This is She Thrives, a safety in the workplace podcast brought to you by African Women on Board, AWB. The podcast is an important part of AWB's Violence Against Women in the Workplace Initiative and is funded in part by Ford Foundation. My name is Omoye Uzamere and I will be hosting this series of insightful conversations. Now, through this series, we will explore the various forms of workplace violence which women experience regularly. This platform also seeks to provide a safe place for women who have had such experiences to boldly share their stories for the benefit of enlightenment. In today's episode, we will listen through the real-life experience of a female church worker who was a victim of violence in the workplace. Her identity has been protected. My name is Ada, a church worker, and I've experienced violence in my workplace. I know it may sound strange because the church is supposed to be one of the safest places in the world, but this is my story. You see, for six years, I used to work as an assistant to one of the senior pastors at my church. But shortly after I resumed, my boss's wife started berating me. She seemed to be of the strong opinion that I was trying to steal her husband and almost every day became a very miserable one for me. She would regularly embarrass me, call me all sorts of names like Jezebel, prostitute and husband snatcher. She did this in public, not just, you know, within the four walls of the office. And my boss did not even do much to stop this. He would mostly refer to the scriptures to calm me down and keep me from quitting my job because, you know, I was efficient and I made the church admin duties run seamlessly. This trauma from my boss's wife did not even stop at me. It extended to people that were associated with me as well. I mean, I remember one Sunday while the service was going on and I was captured on screen on camera by the media team. My boss's wife threatened to fire any member of the media team that focused the camera on me again. Because this that time she um, came into the office and she saw me wearing a similar shoe of hers. She then went to the accounts department and instructed them to slash my salary by 50% because according to her, there was absolutely no way I could have afforded those shoes on my salary. The whole debacle was too much, the abuse never stopped, the embarrassment was, 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 was just constant and it, it started affecting my productivity. I remember my heart would always keep a beat when I hear uh, pastor's wife is coming home. I remember that I would have a lot of anxiety from coming into the office, from even going to church as well. I became very unhappy. I became so sad. I became, you know, very frustrated. And I, be I almost became depressed as well. At some point, I was forced to resign and move on with my life. So in this case, the violence includes verbal abuse, intimidation, even extending to the associates of the guests, economic and financial oppression, of course, and public embarrassment. It's clear to see how this affected her, her sense of self-worth, and um, she was forced to quit her job. 
And that was quite the ordeal this young lady had to go through. To discuss this brave young woman's experiences with me today are two people who could not be more qualified to have this discussion. I will begin by introducing a photographer and women's rights activist, Mrs. Busola Dakolo. Hello, Busola. Hi. Thank you for having Hi. me here. It's our pleasure. And I would like to welcome the lead pastor at the Love of God in Christ Logic Church, Pastor Flourish Peters. Thank you very much, Amori. I'm so glad to be here. It's good to have you too. Now, uh, Busola, coming from your experience, what are the things that a woman should anticipate when um, she wants to call out an experience of workplace violence? You know, I know that our society, there's a, there's, there are things that happen in our society that shape the way women who want to speak out are treated and what are the things that a woman should look out for or should anticipate when she wants to speak up against a religious organization speak up about her experience of workplace violence okay so um what i would like to say here is maybe um, you're talking definitely about the expectations like the things to expect so they, they are not caught unaware yes. you know they are aware of everything first so they need yes. to be aware that a lot of people will tell them your story is not true you're lying they are looking for a convincing story which is not possible can i ask you a question you know normally when when if you think of the mishap that happened to you that is not even related to maybe an abuse or something and then you are telling yourself ah why was i not thinking yes. straight why did i not do it like this because there's no perfect story generally exactly. even when you're doing an examination you remember you'll be thinking ah but i read this thing now why didn't i write it like this because nothing is perfect but then people are waiting for you to give a perfect story that's something if it's perfect they know it's not real everything about situation people that have accidents or maybe they are traveling and they have accidents on the road it's not a perfect yes. story you say exactly. how come the driver jumped out of the car and he did not think of jumping out of the car how can you be saying that when people when people react to things in different ways we're all coming from different environments we can never respond to crisis the same way so definitely they will definitely attack you more like i'm talking about people now like they will tell you this is not real this is not true the basic thing that i feel anyone that has been victimized should hold on to is why the why i know that i'm standing for this you know it's because for my own case i said motherhood bless me a lot maybe if i wasn't a mother yet I don't know maybe I would have still been quiet by now. But as I watched my girls grow up, you know, it just exposed me to a lot of my vulnerability just at a showing, you know. The 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 things that I was being afraid of was silently showing and I could sense them in the way I would handle things, the way I would deal with some situation because I was just trying to protect yes. them in every way. So you should know that why you are standing for what you are standing for is the most important thing. It doesn't matter what they tell you that your story is perfect. Your story can never be convincing. So you should expect that. Then another thing to expect is 
especially if it's coming from a church setting, like the the lady that we listened to, you know, trust. Yes. I, I was so happy when I when I listened to it and I really knew that it was the pastor's wife that was actually victimizing her. Because unfortunately, in the church setting, it's even more like it's the women that attack the other women. They would say, oh, yes, it's her fault. It's the way she was dressing. It's this, it's that. I faced the panel. I faced church panel. I saw how women responded, the so-called leaders of the church and the men. And unfortunately, the whole process, I have to say, the women raised more attacks than even the men. So wow. it's, it's something, yes, that is the truth. And that shows it's the patriarchal culture. It's not just about the society. It's, it's so infiltrated in the church. It's the foundation is, I don't know. I think it's like, I just feel they need to just wash the minds. They just feel like the female is, is a subordinate to a male. So anything, it's like, ah, you will talk about it now, talk about it, you're not, meant to, you're not meant to voice some things out, we will deal with it. But you will see a lot of the so-called um, female leaders in the church, they are also victimized. And instead of them to acknowledge that, oh, there's a generation of people that begin to stand up against this thing, even though we refuse to stand up against it, now... We are seeing that a lot of people are traumatized. They are traumatized themselves. And that's why they are believed to just accept things the way it is. And just keep being victimized. Don't bother saying anything. The cultural silence. Yes. So you should expect. Don't expect like, oh, somebody is on my side. Oh, don't wait to see people being on your side. You stand up for truth. So it's not about waiting to see, oh, who is on my side? Who is not on my side? No. You have to be willing to do it alone. Yes. Stand up for truth and know that truth can never go away. It's my time. It's my 10 years. It might be like, oh, why is he not standing tall now? But trust me, it's going to speak. It's going to speak. So the most important thing that you need is yourself and God. And as it goes on, the right people will be coming into your space. But don't go out looking for the right people to come into your space first. First of all, get it between yourself and God. Thank you so much. Yes. Thank you very much for sharing. Now, Piflo, how can the church take a stand to combat victim silencing? Um, simple. They shouldn't be silent. They shouldn't be on the fence on it. I think the church should be vocal about it. It should be in the policy of the church. Um, I run a church, uh, by God's grace, my assignment, we're, we're already putting policies down where if we have any kind of abuse of any kind, you are stepping down. Once the investigation is going on, no, you first step down. Whether it's true, it's not true, no, 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 you are coming down first. So the church should take a stand on it and should take a loud stand on it. Not something on the fence, not we're trying to cover up. I know the Bible says if anyone falls, he should be restored in love. But you know, the grace of God takes away the judgment of sin, not the consequences of sin. So they should be able to deal with the consequences ordinarily and whilst we protect the person and still love them, still try to reach them because God loves them regardless. Um, but the consequences thereof must be dealt with. The church should have consequences on such actions 
if it is from their member. I can speak for my church, whether an usher, an usher, a music director, an assistant pastor. Once we hear any funny gist, if you're on the payroll, you'll be suspended, including, so you are trying not to be on that line at all. That's why the Bible says in Ephesians, let it not be once named amongst you. It should be something mm-hmm. we should stand about. We should be very, very strict about, not on the fence about it. Okay, thank you so much for that. And Busola, I want you to um, to speak on the role of the church family itself. You know, because there's church leadership, but there's also church family. So let's um, talk about the role of church leadership, but also the role of church family in cases like this, especially in um, standing up for people who have experienced violence in a religious organization. Okay, so I must say, (laughs) I don't know whether there's anything like church family. I'm very practical. You know, I don't know whether it really, really exists. Ouch. (laughs) Really, you know, there's something like it. But, you know, that's like, because when you say family, they stand up for you. Regardless of, they, they, they will not start to think of, hey, how will it impact on our reputation? How will it do this? How will it do that? They just stand up for you regardless. It's like, you're a member of the family. I can't let go of my son if my son misbehaves. I'm going to hold my son, you know, make sure she's okay. You're, you're t- taking care of the person physically, mentally, spiritually. You know, so the church family is really not existing in most churches. But thank God for new churches. Thank God for love. Thank God for the church like Pastor Flourish that is putting things in place. But most of the churches, there's no church family. It's more of just come together and let's build things that will benefit the church. But family has to do with every member of the family matters. So if at a point a member of a family doesn't matter, then it's not a family. So that aspect, they need to even look deeply into it because there's nothing like church family. Because if there's church family, a lot of silencing, a lot of harassment will not take place. They will consider anyone that faces any any victim. They will consider the person as their own child. They will consider the person as their own blood. But the moment they begin to do it like, ah, leave her, or, oh, she's she's not really a worker. She's not really, she only comes for services on Wednesday. Oh, no, she doesn't even show up in church. You know, they begin to now calculate. But meanwhile, they cannot calculate how many tithes you've paid. They cannot calculate how much the offerings that you've dropped, you know. So if family is family, so when they understand the meaning of family, they will be able to run it better. So church family and church as a whole, it's totally different. Church is like, oh, come, we are doing a program. We are doing this. Just come and or, or just come and be part of the numbers. But as family, I don't know whether that really exists. <sighs> okay. Thank you so much. Thank you for your candor. Can I just say Yes. I, okay. I'm coming to you, though. So once you can um, coin it in your question, in the answer okay. to this question. Okay. Basically, PFLO, where do we draw the line? Where do we draw the line between things which can be resolved through mediation by the church, by, you know, the church leadership and what should be prosecuted by the law? I'm I'm never in support of defiling the church. I've always been in support of edifying the church. And I'll explain that in a minute to you. Where I totally agree with Busola would be, this is what really drives me crazy, Omoye. A pastor abuses a member and he has a tendency, and there are many, many stories. We come out and start saying, do not destroy the body of Christ. 
is that member not part of the body of Christ? Do you understand? That's why she says it's not a family. Are you saying Christ did not die for that member too? He only came and died for pastors? No. That person is part of the body of Christ. So how should we handle it? There are many ways I think we should handle it. I can't give all of them um, here, but I'll give a couple. I will take it as a family matter. God forbid the bad thing. What would you do if your cousin rapes another cousin? How will it be handled in the family? Because if you bring this to your family, you start seeing your aunties behaving funny. That's the truth. Because we're all human beings. Doesn't that isn't that a direct sorry to cut you, isn't that a direct mirror of church family versus family family, social family? Yeah, totally. I agree. I totally so I'm saying this because that's where I was going to. I had a meeting in church um, some weeks ago, boys to men and, and the lady and her lover. And I'm seeing women coming out to say I was raped by my father and my mother told me to shut up. What is wrong with you? Is that what you're shouting about? I was raped by my stepfather. So it's a culture that started in the family that has entered church. So it's easy to put it on church, but guess what? It is more, even in the family. It's starting in the family. Some of our mothers were raped, but they didn't speak anything. They didn't say anything. So if you now call them and talk to them about it, is that way, quiet, hush, 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 let's move, let's move past it. So it's a culture that has stayed in the family, in society, that has crept into the church. Should the church be different? Why? Yes, yes, that's why we are the church. We should be examples to family. So I would say if anything like that happened, the disciplinary committee of the church should handle it seriously to the intent that the victim feels satisfied and doesn't want to take it to court. It is because there is this dissatisfaction amongst most victims as if nothing was done about this. That's why it escalates to the court. Because there is no case that finally blows out that the victim just jumped out. They called pastors. They called senior men of God. They called clergymen. What did they do about it? So if you satisfy, if you get a good disciplinary committee in the church, we won't hear about the defilement in society because there'll be discipline and edification in the church. So if you tell me you're, uh, you're going to school, my, 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 uh, your, your son hit my, my daughter in school and my mother come, the way my mother will beat you up in front of the person you hit, you'll be begging my mother to stop. No, it's, 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 it was not that bad. Madam, take it easy. But when you say, uh, and so what, is my son. Oh, really? Let's go to see the principal. That's what happens. Yes. Yes. I want to thank you both very much for giving your time, for lending your voice to this platform. Now, before we go, I would like to give, you know, the opportunity for 30 seconds to give parting remarks. Um, I'd like you to start, Pastor Flourish, and Busala will conclude. I want to pray healing for everyone who has been abused, who has been you know, all kinds of abuse from abuse from church. The church church should be sheltered to the homeless, the hiding place for the abuse, not the center of abuse. Thank you so much. Basala, would you like to give us parting remarks? Okay, so um, the parting remarks here is, um, I want to tell anyone that has been abused, know that keeping silence is not a choice, as in it's not, it's not even an option for you. Why am I saying that? because silence is stealing the best part of you. Because what the experience does is it's, it's hiding the, the, the real thing, the core part of who you are. I'm telling you from experience, it's like I'm starting my life. I'm really feeling myself now, but I'm glad. 
Thank God I'm not starting the journey at 50. Thank God I chose to start it early. So you can start it at any time. Once you just start it at any time, I know that you, God created you to be able to live your life to your full potential. And anything that is robbing you of that, you need to take it away. So speak up. Don't remain silent. Make sure you become all that you're meant to be, you know, your full self. Sure. So we love you so Thank much. You. <laughs> love you too. Love you too. Thank you so, so much. African Women on Board remains passionate about amplifying African female voices, supporting African female empowerment, and helping to create a world in which African women and girls are given the tools and resources they need to fully realize their potential. If you'd like to collaborate or share your stories, please send an email to awb at africanwomenonboard.org. For more information, please visit our website on www.africanwomenonboard.org. You can also connect with us on social media, Instagram at awb.network, Twitter at awbafrica, LinkedIn at African Women On Board, Facebook African Women On Board. Thank you for listening. Have a lovely day.